Welcome to Sky Team's People First with Morag Barrett. My guest this week is the award-winning executive coach, Monique Betty, who is based in South Florida and works with leaders from around the world who are looking to influence and grow their leadership reputation and impact. She is a passionate advocate of the Gallup Strength Finder philosophy, which influences her coaching methodology and approach. And I'm looking forward to learning more about that from our conversation today. Welcome, Monique. Hey, Morag, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, I am so excited for this conversation, but I want to go back to the basics because People Mm -hmm. First, this podcast, is all about the leadership journeys that we are all on. And what I've learned is that there are twists, turns, and occasionally dead ends that we've all been down. So let's go back. You're in elementary school. The teacher has set you the task. Draw me a picture of what you want to be when you grow up. So right. back then, what did you, you know? Be? Way back in the day, right? I was actually born and raised in Ohio, but back in the day, because of my strengths and my interest in dance, I just wanted to be a dancer. I really did, and wow. yeah. But then I went off to uh, the Ohio State University. I have to put the in front of it mm-hmm. um, to pursue actually computer programming was my undergraduate uh, pursuit initially because of my strengths in the field in math. Okay. And my dad just refused, said, no, we're not, not paying for you to go off to school so that you can dance. However, he was on board with me in the technical space. And because, of, like I said, my strengths in math, I thought I just wanted to be a mathematician. Mm-hmm. Didn't really know what that meant. Um computers were, you know, are the end thing. So I just figured, okay, that at least starts a career. It's now a good time to tell you of what my major pivot point was in that Oh yeah, please. That was going to be my next question. And so apt as a move. I love a good pivot (laughs) when I'm doing a a foxtrot. So what was your pivot then? So while in undergrad, I actually had an internship with what's now like a healthcare company. And it was one of those rotational management programs where you had an opportunity to spend a week in all the different departments. Well, in that experience, when I spent a week with a salesperson, I was like, we stopped and got coffee in the morning. We drove an hour out to a hospital site. The sales rep and the client just kind of yucked it up. Then we got back in the car. There may have been a few, you know, signing of some papers or what have you got back in the car and I looked at this gentleman and said, so let me see if I get this. Your job involves stopping for coffee, going to have good conversation with people and going to do this with the next person. (laughs) He said, yeah, that's pretty much it. I went back to campus, met with my counselor and said, I wanna be in sales and marketing because that was the kind of career I wanted. Anytime (laughs) I can connect with people and, uh, and just kind of be out on an open road So I actually graduated with a marketing degree and sales was actually my first job. I love that. It's funny. I think my family at sometimes think that my whole career and calendar is full of a cup of tea and a chat. And that to me um, underpins my approach to life and business. But like you, I was going to be an engineer and I I ended actually up in finance, but then pivoted into the human side of business. So notwithstanding that you were in sales and therefore good at holding a good conversation, meeting strangers, getting them to buy. I I saw that in the past you've been at Kodak, you've been at Pepsi, you've been at some Coca-Cola, sorry. 
amazing companies. Yeah, you're okay because I actually did do some internship work over in Warsaw, Poland for Pepsi. So you're Well, good. there you go. So I was just <laughs> tapping into that. But I'm curious then, how do you move from sales into becoming an executive coach? What was the incentive and the inspiration for you for that change? Yeah, so along that journey, um, there was a stop along picking up a master's in business administration from the app the competitor to Ohio State, and I actually went to University of Michigan for my MBA. And the my interest there was corporate strategy work because I had um, an opportunity to be in a unique role as like a chief of staff to one of our senior managers while at Kodak. And then I started to think more uh, about what it was I wanted going ahead and being a general manager in a multinational organization became my focus. So an MBA to help me, prepare me for that role. And um, that kind of changed the trajectory of things. I actually came out, did some marketing. I was one of the first direct-to-consumer marketing managers for a pharmaceutical company. I don't know if you recall, like the first time you heard mm. of a, um, a pharmaceutical product on TV or in a consumer magazine, and you're looking going, wait, what? we've never seen these before. Yeah. You know, because once we started marketing to consumers, uh, kind of was the game changer in terms of marketing for pharmaceuticals. Um, fast forward from there, ended up at the Coca-Cola company, was in a national sales executive and chief of staff for our business innovation group at Coke. Uh, and the big pivot now at this stage in my life was marriage and becoming a mom. Mm-hmm. So with that, um, really starting to sort through the, wow, I have this, this life, these 24 hours are just not mine. I have a spouse, we have a emerging family. And with that, I decided to pivot and to go into marketing consulting. All the while I had been following coaching because mm -hmm. it was really just kind of growing as a profession. And I saw someone who benefited um, and changed their career trajectory with the support of a coach. And then I actually pivoted and went into coaching. Well, congratulations. I think I'm exhausted. Yeah. I think there are about six or seven pivots in there. But I think <laughs> now you see the, the dancing, idea. Morag. Do you see the connection well, to the exactly. dancing? Exactly. You I know, all it. of it was like, woo, it's all connected because it's one big swirl. <laughs> it is all one big swirl. And it's just listening to the music and changing the beat and the nature of the dance, depending on what there opportunity is being presented to you. There so you go. in your coaching practice, um, what excites you the most? What sort of clients are you working with? And what sort of challenges are they experiencing in their own careers that they're looking for you as a coach to help them to resolve? Yeah, terrific question. And that has actually evolved now going into my 12th year in coaching. Um, started out primarily supporting individuals with finding their most fulfilling, satisfying career. Because I think mm -hmm. what I started to experience is people around in particular, their late 30s, um, started to realize like, wow, I'm waking up doing this every day and I am not finding joy mm -hmm. in this work that I'm doing. And so that was my entree into coaching as a resource to support those individuals. One thing I can admit in my years in corporate, there are many people who are very dissatisfied <laughs> with the work that they're doing. But once you kind of create a lifestyle around a certain income level, then some individuals, you know, feeling trapped. So in my work and helping people really redefine and find fulfillment in their job and what would be purpose-driven, um, I have since, in fact, evolved to working with first-time managers or emerging leaders, let's say, mm -hmm. who are early in their years, coming out of a business school or an advanced degree program. Because one of the things I discovered in early on is that many people just advance 
get into more senior roles and really haven't captured the degree of self-awareness that supports them in being an effective leader and or build the competencies of leadership in a way that really serves them well. And it becomes really kind of a hotbed of stress Mm -hmm. in the management roles and those leadership roles. So by now embracing um, the emerging leader with many of the tools and resources that I have, I'm now working with people earlier Mm-hmm. in their career and building certain habits and pa- patterns and competencies of leadership to support them for the long term. I love that because far too often I think it's left to chance and it's the school of hard knocks. Mm-hmm. And I work too uh, predominantly with IT technology engineering clients and going back to your mm-hmm. undergrad, it's the, hey, you're a great software programmer. We're going to put you in charge of a team of software programmers. Exactly. But then they're thrown in at the deep end with no understanding of, well, what does that mean? What do I need to start doing and what do I need to stop doing. Mm-hmm. And often we'll focus on the gaps, what we're not good at. But I know your passion is around the strengths finder and focusing on what we're good at and getting it to great. So tell us more about how you came across the strengths-based approach to coaching. Oh, and how much time do we have, Marag? Because I tell you, <laughs> I can go on and on about strengths, but let me let me condense it and put it in a nutshell. I was first introduced, I was almost like a bolt of lightning to um, strength work because mm-hmm. as a member of Coca-Cola's leadership team, we had a um, offsite, you know, week-long meeting. And Marcus Buckingham, who mm-hmm. was one of the forefathers or scientists yeah. who was working with um, uh, Mr. Clifton on this work, came in and spoke to us. And he said something to this day that still just resonated with me. I just kind of wanted to stand up and just say, yes, thank you. He mentioned that in their work with Gallup um, and finding what is it that those who got to the top of their industry, no matter what field it is, what are the commonalities and the things that those who make it to the top echelon in their field, the thing they had in common is they had an opportunity to leverage their strengths in the work that they did. So it's really their their talents. And Mm -hmm. by this point, they're serving them as strengths. And so if individuals or organizations, in fact, invested in individuals' natural talents, what they're already talented to do versus investing and trying to fix a weakness, Mm -hmm. you're gonna get much more significant productivity and efficiency out of that person. That individual is gonna be much more fulfilled. And the research shows that for those individuals who have an opportunity to use their strengths at work, have a report to have a much better even quality of life. So that's the game I want to be in. And when we heard Marcus Buckingham speak, oh, I tell my age. I mean, it was like 1998. Yeah. So that was the first time I actually um, became aware of this body of work. And then it just was kind of a, it was, I wasn't responsible for um, bringing organizational development into Coca-Cola But it was one of those things I just kind of followed on my own. And the more robust that they were in terms of putting out their insights and findings through, you know, with individuals who leverage their talents and strength. I love that. It was just an analogy to dance because the secret to dance is not to look at your feet. They are going to be where they are, but it is to align our spine and get our balance in place. 
And the same with leaders, because what you're saying is we've traditionally focused on the logic of, well, this career is going to offer me possibilities. It's going to offer this sort of salary, et cetera, standard yes. of living. What you're talking about here with strengths is the values, the heart piece, and making sure that we've got that aligned with the head. And then we can engage the hands and the and the feet to, to deliver that career. So well, well and two, I was going to say two things building on that point, two things that really stand out. And when I conduct strength workshops with groups in particular, number one, most people, when they see the results of their work, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's me. But because it's so natural to you, you're not even recognizing it as mm -hmm. a strength for yourself because you're thinking, doesn't everyone think this way? Doesn't everyone behave this way? Yeah. And the power of it in the workplace is once you gain clarity on the talents and strengths of your colleagues, then it opens us up, opens us up to have a little more patience. We know how to refine our level of engagement because now I know if my number one theme, you probably couldn't guess this in the strength world is positivity. Okay. You know, but when you're in rolling up the sleeves, trying to work on multi-million dollar strategic uh, plans, not everyone's looking for, you know, positive poly to be hanging around. And so that's on me as a leader to know when to also kind of bring back my talents because it may not be for the benefit of the group. So we're all responsible for how we, you know, kind of shift sure. gears with our talents. And when you have the awareness of your colleagues, it then helps to elevate the level of relationship. So you mentioned their positivity. How many strengths have, have Gallup and the Clifton Strengths Finder identified that I might pull from? There are, in, in terms of their reports, there are 34, they're called themes, mm -hmm. okay? Because in the body of work, that they collected, right? There was some uh, firsthand and some secondary uh, level research. They said, how can we create these themes that kind of serve as almost buckets for a range of talents? And so there are 34 themes. And in the last couple of years, we've really been, as a Gallup Certified Strength Coach, more proactive in supporting our clients with them getting all 34 as compared to just the top five, mm -hmm. um, because that's what most people through strength finders were accustomed to, or what are my top five? So I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but if I want to be the CEO tomorrow, um, what are the best ones to have? So is there a right answer when I complete the strengths finder assessment? I'm so happy you asked that and we did not prepare <laughs> for you to ask me that question, but that absolutely comes up um, in particular of, hey, coach, what, what career is best aligned with my talents? And Gallup's response is there is no, all of them are right. Mm -hmm. All of them, because how, let's say the um, Jack Welsh's of the world or Steve Jobs, um, how they got to the top or even Bill Gates or Warren Buffett, you think about these, you know, captains of, of industry, they all have different combinations of talents and strengths that they use. And so the magic with this work in particular in a leadership capacity is the power of knowing your talents as a leader and then look at the talents of those around you that mm -hmm. help to fill in some of the gaps. Because in the leadership um, 
uh, strength-based leadership is the um, kind of the resource I use of Gallup. And they have four pillars of leadership. There's executing, influencing, relationship building, and strategic thinking. And so your talents will foot up under one of those four pillars. And so if you're so dominant and strategic talents and strengths, then you just want to be mindful of who around you is helping to fill the gap. And let's say the executing or relationship building or influencing, um, you know, because people like people who are like them, right? Mm -hmm. And so then if you have a whole table filled with everyone who's a strategic thinker. So what I'm well, hearing, and uh, you, you started this in your um, self-revelation around positivity, it's knowing that you're successful because of the positivity, but you're also successful in spite of it. And knowing when to turn the dial up and when to turn the dial down on these different themes is what's going to help you to increase your leadership influence, impact, and reputation. Yes. So for somebody who's listening to this, Mm -hmm. who may not have considered working with a coach before, mm -hmm. how would somebody know, oh, yes, I need to call Monique, I need a coach? Right. Well, I do believe that coaches come in all different sizes and shapes, and it really is such a, um, for me, I see it as a very humble um, position that someone allows me to support them in their life. And, and it's my job as a credentialed coach, because in addition to being a Gallup certified coach, I'm also a credentialed coach with the International Coaching Federation. And when you become credential, that means you have demonstrated proficiency in coaching competencies, right? And so Although I have that in, I have a code of ethics that supports how I work. I still believe that having that fit, that trust and rapport with that person you're engaging with is absolutely paramount. Um, and so finding a coach, and there are so many. So yes, I welcome an opportunity to have a conversation. And I welcome an opportunity to help you find someone if, in fact, the skill set um, and the competencies that I bring are somewhat different than what you may be in fact looking for. So um, the International Coaching Federation and in fact Gallup um, both have rosters of coaches who are certified mm -hmm. in those areas. So there's a sea of people. I only work virtually. So I've been working virtually for 12 years. So I'm so glad it seems like the rest of the world's kind of joined. Yeah. <laughs> Level the playing field, hasn't Level it? Level the playing field. But I love what you said there about chemistry, because when I'm meeting with potential coaching clients, I'm the same. I'm interviewing, I tell them, I'm interviewing you as much as you're interviewing me, because both of us have to look forward to the conversation. And there needs to be a chemistry. It's got to be fun in my mind. Mm -hmm. But it also, beyond it just being pals and let's hang out, You've got to have a level of confidence that the coach can hold you accountable, that I can empathize with the challenges that you're facing, but then hold your feet to the fire and either make suggestions of tools and resources or help you find your own way forward. So what other advice do you have for somebody who's perhaps considering coaches right now? Chemistry is number one. What else should they be asking or looking for to ensure that there is a good fit? Yeah. And as I, as I was referring to, I'm somewhat biased because I am an uh, ICF credential coach. There are other credentialing bodies. And here's the thing, the marketplace is somewhat confused in terms of what is truly a professional coach because it's an unregulated industry. So many people call themselves a coach. I happen to also be a coach trainer. So I certify people in the space of coaching. And what I know to be true, in particular, I have a class graduating this week, 
is when individuals are coming in to receive professional coach training, the biggest aha is in the very first webinar I have with them. Um, and that is distinguishing what a coach isn't mm-hmm. and what a coach is. And so there are people who are coaches and I'm sure they have a wealth of experience to share. The, the distinguishing factor for the credentialed coach It's not my answer on what you should do. I'm skilled in helping you discover your best answer. And so I'm even offering um, coach training for professionals. So you don't have to get certified, but if you as well want to build those competencies, I offer that through the Center for Coaching Certification. Mm -hmm. And I love that because coaching is a skill. I mean, we know athletes work with coaches their whole career. (laughs) And at one point, working as a coach, as a a leader in a corporate environment was seen as a stigma. And I don't know about you, I don't fix broken leaders. What I do is help take good to great. And it is, it's a two-way conversation and a focus. And I love the fact that it's a focus on strengths. Yes, absolutely. And so as long as the individual is making the discovery and then taking the action that he or her chooses, then they feel empowered. Then they're building the confidence. Again, the big misnomer is people are like, oh, I'm hiring a coach, so you can tell me what to do. Mm. And yeah. no, that's that's not it, is I'm helping you discover your own. Now, I will contribute in possibly creating some options utter all the possibilities. And I know how to engage with someone for that self-discovery. And of course, I have a body of of experience here that um, I help individuals in expanding those possibilities. But at the end of the day, it has to be the other individual's choice Mm -hmm. and not mine, which is actually why I have to carry professional liability insurance for what it is I do. And I think that's Um, another big difference between a professional coach and somebody who's just hanging a shingle is that they will gone through and thought through the specifics of how do I ensure that you are making an informed choice on how to move your career forward. Yeah, that was actually a condition of that's only why they they will insure me is because of the depth of experience that I bring and the code of ethics that I adhere to, uh, which really covers the individual because I can lose my credential if I fall beyond the scope of what is expected of me. So So 2020 has turned into the ultimate leadership crucible. Because I think you'll agree, it's easy to be a a great leader when things are going well, you know, the results are being met, people are signing the sales deal, everybody's happy. But the true test is when it hits the fan, when there's uncertainty, when emotions are raised, when there is no clear answer. So what are you seeing as an outcome of 2020? What are the challenges that your leaders are coming to you as a sounding board for and as a coach for to help resolve? Definitely the remote working and managing their teams remotely um, has been the unknown, you know, that's that's been the big, what I'm hearing as the most significant um, challenge. And so I'm working with a number of managers on that right now. And it's about how is this in fact an opportunity, right? And supporting the team with Now you don't have drive time or travel time or what have you. So you have time, which is a variable that we all seem to kind of sometimes forget about. Mm -hmm. But you and I I thought I could get 30 hours out of a day. And I'm here to tell you, I'm speaking into the microphone. You can't get 30 hours out. (laughs) There's 24. Right. And so with I see it as an opportunity to manage the time you do have for self-care for yourself and 
refrain from responding to emails, you know, and, and setting boundaries. And this is where leaders model the way, mm-hmm. you know, refrain from those all hour um, emails and Zoom calls. And that you have to allow people space to be and uh, and to recharge and over communicate in terms of what's expected. Mm-hmm. You know, because just because someone says, oh, well, I expect for the team, everyone to check in once a day. And then three weeks go by and half of the team has been checking in by shooting an email to you and check in to you meant no calling, scheduling a face to face with me, or at least being on telephone or something. Okay. Well, you didn't say that. (laughs) So people have then took it on themselves to define what is once a day. So we're really being tested collectively in our communication skills, which, um, is really coming to bear um, because of the technological, you know, to a certain degree, is it a, is it a barrier? But it also speeds things up, right? We can get into, we can move from meetings to meetings mm-hmm. without drive time or transition time, you literally, as long as your microphone and your camera are working yeah. and maybe not, um, but you have a phone, you know, yeah. to keep, um, be proficient and use this opportunity for self-development. This is where I say, you know what? Collectively, we're all not going to have this <laughs> this time again. Yeah. And so what are you doing for you, for your own personal growth beyond work? Take an online course, reconnect with nature, you know, when mm-hmm. you can, uh, with a mask, <laughs> or to at least take the necessary precautions in this environment. But you know, wholeheartedly take care of yourself and use that additional time that has now been removed for travel and transition into the workplace. I love that. So Minnie, because we come to the end of our time together, Mm -hmm. what final thoughts do you have for listeners of the podcast, but also how can people find out more and learn about you and your coaching practice? Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of final thoughts, I have a pretty firm belief that we're all responsible for our careers. And it's not the boss, it's not that workplace, it's not a colleague, it's not your spouse, it's you. And so often it's so easy to wanna place blame on Mm -hmm. someone else or something else for what's not happening for you. And I'm a firm believer in, I have what's called an online course of seven guiding principles to achieve a career advantage, which is about gaining clarity on your strengths, knowing how to have effective communication skills, knowing how to influence, understanding your life purpose, right? Because when you show up every day, and this is what I want for everyone, is to go to work or have a life that's purpose-driven. Because at the end of the day, you know, we put so much premium on a paycheck. Well, that's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. That feels good in the short term, but then you're like, as soon as you get even an advancement or a bump in pay, then you're back to the old same feelings and you're like, oh, here we are. So, you know, those were just some of the principles. And another one is continuous learning. Continue to learn in the industry where you are or where you want to be and having conversations with people, learning, what did you do? How did you get to that role? Because we end up, so many people play small, right? Mm -hmm. And so to learn more about me or any of the number of, of offerings that my team has, it's Monique. Betty, just like the woman's first name, that is my last name, B-E-T-T-Y.com. And I have a podcast every other Tuesday at Tuesdays with Coach Mo. Coach Mo, I love that. Thank you. I'll make sure all of that information is in the show notes around this 
Monique, it has been a pleasure to connect with you. Thank you for sharing your journey and giving us a little bit more insights into strengths-based coaching. My pleasure. Hashtag working strong. Thank you so much for joining Morag today. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. If you learned something worth sharing, share it. Cultivate your relationships today when you don't need anything before you need something. Be sure to follow Sky Team and Morag on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you have any ideas about topics we should tackle, interviews we should do, or if you yourself would like to be on the show, drop us a line at info at skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E team.com. Thanks again for joining us today. And remember, business is personal and relationships matter. We are your allies.